Dear Tim, the good gift that was entrusted to me, I now hand over to you. Guard this gift, grow it, and pass it on to those to come. So uh, it's my privilege um, tonight to be here and to, to lead us through um, this real last chapter of the second book of Timothy in our Dear Tim series. Um, and I just think, man, the messages over the past little while have been so challenging. Have you found them challenging? Yeah? Really awesome, right? Um, super cool. And so tonight, I'm going to title uh, this uh, tonight's message, Famous Last Words. And we've kind of heard these um, uh, this title like coming out just towards the end of this book. Um, and where we're at, it's, it's super clear that in tonight's passage that we're reading some of the last words that the Apostle Paul just wrote, full stop, but wrote to Timothy. And things are really starting to draw to a close for the Apostle Paul. So in chapters um, 4, uh, verse 6 to 8, uh, it says this, uh, Paul says, Dear Tim, for I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. Pretty heavy words, right? The time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Let's pray together as I um, unpack on this passage tonight. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much uh, for your great love. Uh, God, we just thank you for the Bible and that we can read it. It just nourishes our, our souls, our hearts, and our minds. And God, we just really pray tonight that you would speak to us. We want to hear from you, God, the creator of the universe. So I just pray that as we're reading scripture, as in I'm sharing stories, um, that you'd be speaking to our hearts and our minds. And so we're longing to hear from you, almighty God. Yeah, in your precious name, Jesus. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Cool. So. Famous last words. Um, so super clear um, that this, this letter um, is, is drawing to a close. And these are some of the last words of Paul. Um, so we just read it. Paul said, For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. So, I just thought it'd be super interesting and just to have a look on old faithful Google, who we heard about this morning, the one who never lies to us, and it's always true, okay, and helpful. So I thought I would have a look around and just see what were some famous last words that people spoke, and some of them are shocking, especially this first one. So I've got a little quote here from the man himself, Leonardo da Vinci. So apparently, so Leonardo da Vinci was an inventor and a painter, right? Just phenomenal artist. Apparently it's recorded. This is what he said. I have offended God and mankind because my work did not reach the quality it should have. Any um, kind of up-and-coming artist just give up on their hopes and dreams right now after reading that? 
Oh my word, right? I have offended God and mankind. Talk about like the opposite of humility. I just think, wow, how he was so amazing. How could he say that? Famous last words from Leonardo da Vinci. Um, true story, Google told me. So I, I, I'm pretty sure it's like 90% accurate. So another one, I'm a big music fan. Bob Marley, any Bob Marley fans in the house? Yeah, cool. He said this, apparently, so money can't buy life. Whoa. Man, what a, what a way to go out with a little sentence like that, just four words, money can't buy life. And I think that's quite profound from Bob Marley there. Um, this was a really interesting one. Uh, so Leonard Nimoy, and I'm pretty sure, hopefully I said his name right. He was an actor. What? And yeah, okay. So Leonard, my bad. Dang it. Uh, yeah, so Leonard Nimoy. I'm glad everyone knows who he is. Um, so he said this, Our life is like a garden. Perfect moments can, can be had, but not preserved except in memory. L-L-A-P. And this was actually not Leonard Nimoy's last words. This was actually his last tweet. Okay, so he died in 2015. And I love just his little sign off, L-L-A-P. Does anyone know what that stands for? Live long and prosper. Pretty cool that he didn't write the full thing out. He just wrote LLAP at the end there. So Leonard Nimoy was um, obviously Spock, all right, in Star Trek. So those, that was his last tweet. Super interesting. Um, and I think some things uh, are better left unsaid. One of my heroes, okay, like movie heroes, is Arnold Schwarzenegger. Any Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, fans in the house? Yeah. He is the man. America? No. Oh, okay. On the fence. All right. So um, anyway, uh, just a disclaimer for this clip. Um, he is a, a cyborg and he is descending into lava, okay? But it doesn't hurt him because he's a robot. So does everyone remain calm? But let's check out this clip. Some things better left unsaid. My favorite clips of all time, right there. Just no words, but just FYI, just to communicate the important stuff. It's really hot down here. Sweet air, see you later. You know, how good is that? I love um, Arnold Schwarzenegger, he's so awesome. So, famous last words. Let's get biblical again, unless um, uh, terminatory. Um, so, for I am already being poured out like a drink offering, Paul says, and the time for my departure is near. I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I have kept the faith. So, we are reading Paul's concluding thoughts to Timothy, and Paul refers to his life as being poured out like a drink offering. And I was like, that's kind of weird. What is that? What's he talking about being poured out like a drink offering. And a drink offering was actually a type of sacrifice. I'm not going to go into huge detail here, but it was a type of sacrifice in the Old Testament. You can read about it in Exodus uh, chapter 29, Leviticus chapter 23, and Numbers. Um, and what really Paul's doing is he's illustrating that his life has been poured out. He's poured it all out like a drink offering. Um, his life has been poured out in sacrifice 
to God, a life surrendered. We've been talking about surrender um, in youth at the moment. His whole life surrendered to the will of God. And Paul recognizes that his time is coming up and the time for his departure from this life is near. And he's giving Timothy a heads up on the situation. And I think it's super important to recognize here that Paul didn't simply just flick Timothy a text, right? All right, he didn't just send him a quick eye message. Hey, bro, just giving you an update, right? This was a letter, okay? And you're like, duh, all right? But for me, I was like, that's profound, all right? It was a letter. It wasn't just a simple text or something like that. It was a full letter that he sent Timothy. And it's important to have this in your mind. And, and it was an important letter at that. It's affected millions and millions of Christians ever since Paul's ink hit the papyrus paper. And I just want to ask this question. When was the last time that you sent a letter? When was the last time you sent a letter? Isn't it interesting how technology kind of just changes the game, all right? Just consistently. It just, I, I remember, honestly, I'll, I'll tell you a story. The first and last time I sent a letter was at my old job. I used to have a job at Lewis Eady selling pianos. If you're watching online, kill the Lewis Eady family. You'll remember this extremely embarrassing moment for me. Um, but what happened is uh, the boss came up to me and he said, Ben, I need you to send me a letter. And he'd point at me like that. No, he didn't. But um, he said, Ben, get, get this letter sent. And he gave me the contents. And I was like, I can send a letter, right? Like, no brainer. And so I was like, well, I need an envelope. That took me about 10 minutes to find an envelope. I was like, I can't find one anywhere. And I got it in there and I was like, sweet. Licked it. I'm like, I'm doing really well. I'm in for a pay rise here. All right. And so I turn it over and I have the address and two, it's two. And I was just like, oh, it's not a sticker. I guess I need to write it on. And no word of a lie, I took up from the top of the envelope to the bottom, side to side with the whole address and who it was to. We all know that you don't do that, right? They teach you in primary school not to do that. And anyway, I, wrote, I used the whole envelope, just enough room for the sticker. I was like, oh, I'll put it on a bit wonky. And I went out to my boss and I was just like, here you go, job done. And he looked at me and he looked at the letter and he was just like, why? I'm glad that's not in the post straight away because that would be embarrassing. But he said, you need to go and Google how to send a letter, Ben. All right. Because you don't use the whole thing. We know we don't print the whole thing on the envelope, right? Or do you not know that? I'm concerned. Okay. But anyway, you don't use the whole envelope to write the address on it. You just write it in the middle really small, which seems kind of stupid, right? All right. But anyway... That was me. Cool story. Thanks for listening. Anyway, so um, it's important to keep in mind that this was a letter. Okay, when Timothy received it, I think so often with the Bible, we just kind of go like passage by passage, you know, and we kind of chop it up a lot. For Timothy, he, read, he would have read this whole thing through from start to finish. And I think it's important to just keep that in mind. And it's important to know that this letter was written to a specific audience at a specific time in a certain context. So the things Paul was writing about in response um, to particular issues that he wanted um, Timothy to address in both letters, First and Second Timothy, we're going to look at both a little bit tonight. It's important to remember this that we read. Um, and so I think there was this cool saying that I learned at Bible college that was the Bible um, was not written to us, but it was written for us. And so there's so much that we can learn um, from what Paul is communicating to Timothy as he's out on his ministry, communicating this to the church of Ephesus. 
And I've just loved, across these two letters, I took a, a, a bunch of time just to read it through like a letter, just to practice reading it through, as Timothy would have read it, um, through First Timothy and through Second Timothy. And the thing that you really see is this relationship and this trust really start to build and flourish between Paul and Timothy. And it unfolds across these two letters. And I was reflecting a little bit on the commission that Paul gave Timothy in 1 Timothy. And so Timothy's gone on what I would just call the most insane leadership track of all time. All right, he's been commissioned by Paul, a young guy, to address um, with the church of Ephesus some big issues. Like there was some poor theology being preached. There was instructions around pastoral care that Paul wanted Timothy to kind of work through with, um, specifically with widows. Um, he addressed some instructions for worship, um, advice for Christian slaves. Um, he had some stuff for elders, false teachers, um, addressing the love of money, heaps of stuff, all the while proclaiming the good news about Jesus um, that he came to seek and save the lost. What a ministry ride. Imagine getting that as your JD, as your PRD when you start the job. Oh, by the way, Tim, uh, we've got some big things we need to address here. You're right. You know, it would have been like, um, you know, that's, that's a lot of stuff to get through. But I love how Paul doesn't just kind of like push Timothy out the door. He, he equips him with these letters. And it's really cool to see that. And I love looking all throughout scriptures. One of my favorite things to look for are really little good news, little gospel summaries. Okay. I love to just see them pop out. And we're going to look at this little bit here um, that Paul equips um, Timothy with as he's out on ministry. Um, so this is in 1 Timothy 1, 15 to 17. It says this, Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Cool, eh? Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. What an awesome sentence. And then Paul um, expands a bit. He says, Of whom I am the worst. What? Paul just puts himself on the bottom run. I am the worst, Paul says. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, the worst, Paul says. Christ Jesus might display his immense patience, all right, as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Amazing, right? Isn't that just profound? Imagine, imagine if you wrote that. You'd be pretty chuffed, right? It's, it's a pretty cool little gospel summary. And I love this, that Timothy has these letters, all right? <laughs> I would be. Um, he has these letters, okay? And, and he's really, Paul equips him um, with Paul's own story. And he equips him with the good news to go out, proclaim this, share this with others. And I love how Paul does that for Timothy. Um, he equips him with the truth. But still, I can't imagine if I was Timothy, I would be a little stressed about this JD situation. Um, but Paul believes in him. He believes in him and he constantly affirms him. And if you read the letters, kind of just had a real fresh, um, just reading through, I, I feel like for me, what I could um, see coming out, this language of affirmation, okay, and encouragement that Paul was giving Timothy. And I can't help but feel like, you know, Tim, pro uh, sorry, 
uh, Paul probably knew that Tim was a bit of a words of affirmation guy and he could really nudge him forwards in his ministry by encouraging him. And I feel like Timothy totally doesn't recognize the leader that he is becoming under Paul's wisdom and encouragement, all the while empowered by the Spirit of God. And I think, you know, for us, and you know, you might be new to the Christian faith or you might be a little bit further along, I feel like there's a challenge here for us to get alongside, you know, those who are maybe fresh um, in their Christian walk and encourage them like Paul did. If you want to know how, just go read the letters. Go read, the, go read about how Paul encouraged Timothy in his ministry journey. And I just want to say just how I've just loved um, being mentored over the years. I, I went to Pathways Bible College and I had to have a spiritual mentor. And at first I was like, whoa, you know, is this going to be weird? But it was awesome. And Richard Opie, he probably won't watch this because he doesn't have Facebook, but that's how wise he is. He's not on, not on Facebook. But um, anyway, uh, shout out to Richard. And I just love how you've just spoken um, into my life. And so I, I don't know about you, but I might just be speaking to myself on this one, but us young leaders, we're so vulnerable, okay, to be attacked um, with the voice, okay, and it's the voice that Craig spoke about, um, you know, the angel on one shoulder, the devil on the other, and I call that, that one on that shoulder the voice of the imposter, okay, the imposter is Satan, okay, and he says all the time to me, he says, Ben, you do not have what it takes. You are unforgivable. You are useless. You are worthless. And we need those voices of truth encouraging us, saying, fan it into flame, son, the gifts that God has given you. This is what Paul says to Timothy. He says, you're a child of God. God loves you, Tim. If he's got grace enough for me, the worst of all sinners, he's got grace enough for you, Timothy, and all those around you. And I want you to go out and proclaim this good news. Did that get you fired up? Man, it got me fired up. She should need to calm down. All right. But this is how Paul, okay, he encourages Timothy. See these words? How the, the weight in those words of the imposter, you are useless. You are worthless. Ugh, they're horrible, right? But then as soon as you start speaking life, man, something fires up in you. And I'm like, I'm good to go. Okay, the, your, your voice is, is powerful. And I just encourage you to speak life and especially into um, our younger um, people. Um, so I, I feel like one of the overarching themes of, of this message um, is for Timothy and his first letter was what Paul wanted him to do was to paint a picture of um, to the church of Ephesus of what like a holistic um, view of um, church would look like. Um, and that church should be known for its integrity um, and its service to the poor and its devotion to King Jesus. And I really like this little um, summary here. I feel like this was the goal, that Timothy was to go out reminding the church of Ephesus that what a church believes will shape the way it lives. Is that good? Yeah? What a church believes will shape the way it lives. And what an amazing mission for a young leader. Hey, bro, um, just wondered if you'd be into reminding the church of Ephesus. I uh, don't know why I'm doing that. But anyway, he was writing a letter. What a church believes will shape the way it lives. Man, and Timothy totally takes up this challenge, okay, which is cool. And so we're in 2 Timothy, and things really start to shift, shift up a, a gear in Paul's writing. 
So we don't know technically like how long it's been between these letters, but Paul's writing to Timothy saying, I'm imprisoned in Rome. I'm undergoing trial and basically need to let Timothy know the following. Dear Tim, trial's not going well. I don't have long. Please come soon. Paul. P.S. And I love the P.S. in here. This is, uh, uh, in my own words, just by the way, Paul would write it way more elegantly. He says, please don't forget my coat. All right? This is what Paul says. Please don't forget my coat. Winter's coming for Paul, and he knows he's running out of time. Um, recently, I've been converted. And you're like, what? You're a youth pastor. What are you talking about? I've been converted to op shopping. Any op shopping people in the house? Yeah? I have to tell you, I was not an op shopper, okay? I get really bad hay fever. We pull in the car park and I start sneezing, okay? All right? I just cannot do it, but I've been converted recently. We had this event for youth and it was 1950s, uh, 60s theme. So I went and you might notice I'm wearing a new jacket, all right? This is my $14.95 jacket from SaveMart. I mean, a good purchase, right? Yeah. Um, and I like to call this jacket the Grootsmacher, okay? If you want to look like Pastor Colin Grootsmacher, all you need to do is wear black and get a jacket like this, all right? And then all of a sudden, anyway, but so Colin, if you're watching, bro, I just wore this especially for you tonight and you're not here, so you've hurt my feelings. But if you want to look like Colin and be as good a preacher as him, all you need is the jacket, honestly. It just, it does wonders. Oh, shivers. All right. Uh Moving along there. So Timothy probably got to the end of this letter whilst out on assignment. And we'll talk later. In Ephesus. So doing the things Paul asked him to do. And Timothy would have been feeling rather emotional hearing about the state of his mentor. All right. This This is just the case. He would have been reading this letter. His mentor is in trouble. And I know a man. If, if my mentor had written that to me and I hadn't heard from him in a while, um, and all of a sudden I got this letter saying, um, in Paul's words this time, uh, so dear Tim, so the time for my departure is near. I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. I would be, if I was Tim, I'd be like, oh my gosh, so this, something's going really, it's really going south for Paul here. Um, so, Imagine, um, and, and I think so for Timothy, he's in this situation, right? He's like, oh my gosh, my mentor's in trouble. But for Paul, he's really, he's at the end of it, right? He's at the end. And imagine getting to the end of your life and being able to say, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Those would be some cool last words, right? To speak out, to actually believe that. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Incredible last words. And I think just something to be thinking about um, is what would you like your last words to be? What would you like your last words to be? And it's kind of a heavy thing. Um, So we'll lighten up the mood a little bit. I found um, this tombstone. I told you I was sick. You'd hope that your last words were maybe a little bit more profound than that, right? But I thought that was kind of funny. Um, I told you I was sick. 
you would be surprised how many Tucson's have that written on it and then some other comments down the bottom. But um, anyway, so just, uh, I don't know, if you need anything, you could always put that on there. Um, but I found that kind of funny. Um, so, I mean, how could you start thinking now about little things you could do every day to make, you know, those aspirational um, words of Paul, they're true for him, but they're aspirational for us into reality. And I love hearing Paul's confidence in this next passage about what awaits him for his faithfulness and endurance. Um, so Paul continues in chapter 4, uh, verse 8 here, and he says this, Now, there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord and the righteous judge will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. I'll read it again. So now there is in store for me, this is what Paul says, the crown of righteousness, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, Jesus Christ, right, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. And I just love the... Um, the confidence that Paul has, you know, he's just so confident in this. He's like, um, in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous God, will award me on that day. Like he's known he's done his, his best and he served Jesus with all of his heart. So, I mean, a crown of righteousness, right? It sounds pretty sweet. Do you reckon that's like a, like a literal crown that we all kind of cruise around and we've got these crowns and then we just say righteous crown, bro. Is it that kind of situation? Maybe. I don't know. Ask Craig. Um, but <laughs> do we get crowns? Like, do we get action ones? That would be awesome. Um, but I really think, like, this paints a picture of what it will be like. Imagine just no evil, just no sin, all right? You are fully righteous in Christ. I don't think we're going to be fixated on each other's crowns. I think we'll be fixated on Jesus, all right, and his righteousness. And I was just thinking, man, I would just have so many questions. Like, how did you make a son without burning yourself? You know, like these kind of like questions I would just have, but I feel like we would just be like completely undone, all right, in the presence of almighty God. I don't think we'll be fixated on our crowns, but they could be there. I don't know. But anyway, so the next, the next part of this um, passage is, um, it actually gets a little depressing. And so Paul says this, he says, do your best, Timothy, to come to me quickly, all right, for, for Demas, and I probably said that name wrong, sorry, um, because he loved this world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonia. And Paul then writes some very difficult words to read and say out loud. Um, but you can see that things are getting very difficult, all right? And continuing on, he says, only Luke is with me now. He says, get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry, all right? He says, when you come, all right, bring my cloak, bring my cloak that I left with um, Carpus at Troas and my scrolls and especially the parchments. And I think you can probably skip over this stuff pretty easily, all right, let's keep in mind Paul's in prison. Winter's coming, he's cold, all right? He was getting practical with Timothy. He probably had a coat that was like of immense like sentimental value. Imagine the coat of Paul. How many shipwrecks has it seen? All right, one too many. All right, how many beatings all right, has that coat taken on Paul's back? 
many, all right? So this was probably, Paul's actually winding down. He's like, man, I just really like my coat. It's cold. I'm in prison, all right? And so for Timothy, it's like, gosh, like this is really bad. He continues on and he gives um, some practical advice for Timmy. He says, Alexander, the metal worker, did a great deal of harm to me. The Lord will repay him for what he has done. I tell you what, I wouldn't want to be Alexander, the metal worker, all right? Um, so you too should be on your guard against him because he strongly opposed our message. So I just, I just love this stuff because it's just practical advice, all right? Paul's just been getting real about it, all right? He's, he's being real with Timothy. He's helping him. Um, he's warning him of landmines along the way. And I think this is one of the gifts, all right, that we can give the young generation. I think there's so many times in my life that I've stepped on landmines myself out of stupidity, all right? And it's just totally like ruined me. But Paul's here, he's like, no, I'm, I'm going to warn you of these different things and you don't need to go there. And I think that's why sometimes, you know, we go through these struggles so that we can use them, all right, to just warn, warn others about it. Don't go there. You don't need to do that. And this is all Paul's doing. He's just saying, watch out, Timothy, I got you back. And it's, it's really helpful for Timothy. Um, so we're going to really land this plane with this final portion of Scripture. And I just think, man, drink this in because this is phenomenal words from Paul. He says this. He says, at my first defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. Man, stink, right? <laughs> at my first defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. And then listen to this. May it not be held against them. Paul says, but the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength so that through me, the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. And I was delivered from the lion's mouth, says Paul. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and bring me safely to heaven's kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. And my, my favorite little bit out of that um, and I just have this picture of Paul, and I think even Monica, I think it was in your sermon, you had a picture of Paul sitting in prison. Um, and I think this is such a cool little bit. It says, but the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength. And I just picture Paul, he's probably sitting in prison, and he's probably got like a full-on visual of just Jesus, just standing at his side. And that's how he can write these letters under that kind of stress and like persecution. The Lord stood at my side and gave me strength. Paul didn't hide the fact that ministry was going to be tough for dear Tim. Almost everyone had abandoned him, except who? Jesus, right? Jesus, the one who stands with me, says Paul. Paul lets Timothy know in closing, you know, that following Jesus involves risk. There's tension in it. But this is not a sign that Jesus is absent. In the dark and difficult moments of ministry and life, that's where the presence of Jesus becomes all the more real and all the more tangible. Um, the other day, just to finish, my, my wife and I were uh, on, a, on a drive and we were going down the mountain. We got to the Amanu intersection. And what happened, we pulled up in the car and uh, I looked out the right-hand uh, window and I just saw on the road this tiny little sparrow chick like flapping, just trying desperately to fly. And next to this little sparrow chick, uh, a, a mother um, sparrow just like, oh my goodness, you're going to die. You know, it was probably what was happening there. All right. It couldn't fly. And so anyway, I was just like, 
babe, this is my moment, you know? And so I like just turn gently around the corner, you know, and I pull into the car park. I pull up the handbrake. I'm just kidding. It's a Toyota Wish, so it's a foot brake, which is a little bit more, less dramatic. But I open the door. I like sprint across traffic and I'm, I'm stopping this traffic and I go down the path. People are like, I'm calling the crazy person line because this guy has lost it. And I go down and I'm like, no, stop. And this, the car after car after car keeps driving over this little chick and I'm like, no, I've lost you. And then I try to stop this last car and then what happens is the car stops over the top and I'm like, oh, I squished it. You know, and I was feeling so sad. But then what happened? The car moved on and the chick was just sitting there looking at me. And I was just like, yes. And so I got down and honestly a little bit afraid of birds. So I was a bit like, oh, how do I pick it up? But I picked it up. And honestly, the applause I got from this line of traffic was deafening. These people were like, yes, yes. Like so passionate. And I was like, okay, all right. And so... Anyway, I put the chick in a garden and then a cat came and ate it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That didn't happen, but it would have been funny. All right. But anyway, so I put this chick in the garden and I just, I just feel like a hero, you know? And so a true story that happened just the other day. And so, I mean, you might feel like in life, just as the band starts to um, play, you might feel like in life, like you're like this little chick in the road. No one sees you. You're getting hit after wave after wave after wave. All right? And things are getting really desperate. Okay? That might be you tonight. I just want to say that Jesus is with you. Like Jesus was with Paul. Okay? He stands at my side. Jesus is with you no matter how hard life gets. Okay? In ministry or in life. Jesus stands at your side and someone in here needs to hear that tonight, that you might be in a tough spot, okay? Jesus stands at your, at your side and fix your gaze, fix your eyes on Jesus in that battle, all right? For the more maybe mature Christians here, man, get alongside young people, all right? Like that little chick, okay, that had that support from the sparrow there, get alongside and say, it's gonna be okay. It's gonna be all right. All right, God is for you. He is not against you. He loves you so much. He loves you so much. Emmanuel, God is with you. And I just wanna encourage you tonight with a challenge. I think really one of the big themes in this book is empowerment, okay? It's empowerment in this letter of Timothy. Uh, Paul says it in 1 Timothy chapter 2, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. He continues on later to say, but fan into flame the gifts that God has given you. It's not a spark, all right, it's a flame. It's like a full on wired youth barbecue fire, call the fire engine situation, all right? It's fan it into flame, all right? Get the fire department down here that your gifts are burning so hot. All right, this is what Paul says to Timothy. What are your last words going to be? Famous last words. Paul says that I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. What would you like your last words to be? How could you start thinking um, maybe about those, even that, just those things from Paul? 
the aspirational things? What could you do every day to make those aspirational words a reality that you have fought the good fight? You have kept the faith. You have finished the race. All the while passing the baton on to the next generation. Let's pray together. Maybe let's all stand to our feet. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your great love for every person in this room and every every person watching online. God, we want so desperately, you know, those aspirational um, words, you know, from Paul uh, to be a reality in our lives, that we could say that at the end of our life, that we've fought the good fight, that we have finished the race, that we have kept the faith. God, we just pray that man, if we're like that chick stuck in that stink situation, God, that we would constantly remember that you, Jesus Christ, that you are for us, you are not against us, and that you are standing with us in every battle. And we just thank you for your Holy Spirit that empowers us, that dwells all believers. And God, we just thank you for that great comfort in the trial. We pray that we just keep our eyes fixed on the things of heaven, not the things of earth. In your name, Jesus. Amen.